Welcome to the IoT Idols podcast. I'm Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical. We help bring bleeding-edge technology products to market through a combination of hardware and software modules and professional engineering services. We believe every innovator has a powerful collection of experiences and knowledge that can help inspire others in their field. If you have a story you'd like to share, stick around at the end of the show and we'll explain how you can be a guest on one of our upcoming episodes. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you could be the next IoT Idol. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to another amazing episode of IoT Idols, innovators to watch, of course, presented by our friends at Critical. And we are just so excited to embark on a new year and a new opportunity to meet just incredible entrepreneurs and innovators that are using the internet of things to just make really amazing works. And today, our next guest has just done some incredible things and comes to us uh, to visit Daniel. It is such a pleasure having you from D1 Studios. And just thanks for making the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So, Daniel, tell me a little bit about what D1 Studios is and what it is that you all do. Uh, yeah, well, you know, D1 Studios is, uh, you know, the parent group and uh, at the kind of one level down D2 motion, we do automation and controls for the film industry. Uh, so basically taking, you know, a lot of existing technology where a lot of the R&D, a lot of the, the hard stuff has already been ironed out, like, you know, industrial robots and uh, applying them to the film industry. Uh, so, you know synchronizing it with the devices it needs to be synchronized with and setting up the user interface so that it gives everyone a smooth interaction uh, that, that, you know, they need for it to be a practical tool on a film set. Amazing. And something that's funny, Daniel, when I left university, I took over a small drive-in movie theater in my hometown, uh, the Socko Drive-In, and resurrected that and then got into some film production. And so when I saw your work, it just made my mind go all sorts of creative directions. So tell me, and us, you know, all of you joining in, we're so excited. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, some of this motion and automation and, and what kinds of tools you're utilizing and what are you trying to capture? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say, um, you know, the, the core system that we use most of the time, um, you know, kind of the heart of it is uh, actually a KUKA robot. Um, and so, you know, that's your, your standard six-axis industrial robot arm. Um, and they, uh, as I'm sure, you know, anyone who's worked in industrial automation knows, come with, you know, a pretty basic set of uh, interpolation functions and, you know, set up scripting language, uh, which is usually great for, you know, when you're setting up a, for a work cell and, you know, you set it up once and it runs, you know, for ever. Um, now, the paradigms on a film set are a bit different where, you know, you show up in the morning and they have a rough idea of what they want to do, hopefully, um, and it's, you know, a very... A uh, much more dynamic process where you got to set up things very quickly. You know, they usually, it's not just getting from A to B as quick as possible and accomplishing the task. It's, um, you know, can you kind of make it do this? Uh, and oftentimes in those exact words. Um, right. <laughs> and, uh, so a lot of what we did was 
taking some of the hooks that now a lot of the uh, major robot fighters give you, which is, you know, direct access control of the robots uh, and designed, uh, you know, a new set of interpolation functions um, and controls. Uh, so instead of, you know, depending on, you know, your basic, you know, joint moves and linear moves and circular moves, you know, you got, you know, a totally different set of tools in there. Um, and that's kind of where this all branches out from. And you'll use that, uh, to do, you know, whatever typical camera moves you want to do, but they'll bring us in as opposed to doing it, you know, with themselves or on a dolly, uh, when they need something to go, you know, really fast because the robots can, you know, move, you know, 10, 20 kilogram thing really fast and really precisely. They'll do it when they want to do something really repeatable. Uh, so if, you know, they have like a gag or something or a trick where, um, they'll shoot it once, um, and say, you know, there'll be a man in a green suit moving things around. Um, and then they'll shoot it again without the green man in the green suit there. And then they know what's behind, you know, the green, and they can replace the green with whatever was actually behind it. And suddenly, you know, you have usable man, which is, you know, interestingly enough, one of the projects we worked on. I was um, just going to say, is this a representative of a recent project? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, so I'd say that's, you know, the, 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 that was our first big project that we were on, um, you know, very exciting. Uh, and branching out from, you know, that core of the, the robot, which is what brings, you know, your high speed, your repeatable, uh, and it's been described to me, you know, kind of eerily smooth style in some cases, uh, is the synchronization with all those other devices. Um, because oftentimes on the film set, there's a lot of things going on. Um, you know, if you watch some of the stuff again, we did in Invisible Man, there's, you know, long sequences that are synchronized with performers. And, you know, how do you get them to know what the camera's doing? Because the camera's going to do what it's going to do. Um, and so there's been a bit of, uh, there was audio sync in that one. Uh, and for some upcoming projects, you know, it's been the added of, uh, you know, synchronizing sliders and wheels so that, you know, we can actually chase the action instead of uh, just, uh, you know, hey, you're going to keep up with the robot or it's not going to work. Um, synchronizing it with, you know, camera and lens control. So, you know, making sure the focus is the same and sometimes doing, you know, just these impossible focus pulls where, um, you know, you're just in it all the way through very long moves which you know when you have a shallow depth of field can be really tough to do um and otherwise just you know whatever they throw at you on the day on hey you know we have you know uh this this blank that we need to fire you know like you know explosive or something or some other device you know hey can you can you just make that work now and just having you know the bag of tools uh to take you know projects down to that, you know, start and finish in a day uh, timeline. So I was just thinking when you were saying that, like the synchronization has got to be so precise because if your arm is moving and you have this explosive going on, you're trying to time that so perfectly to get, you know, some desired outcome. And so mm -hmm. I was curious, like, you know, in terms of timing and customization, you know, how much goes into some of these micro adjustments? Because I can't imagine it's as easy as moving a joystick or, or just asking a new function. Like there's just so many components and moving parts to this no 
Uh, there are, but you know, that's honestly a lot of what we do is try to keep those packed down below the surface. Uh, so, you know, certainly you or I know that, Hey, um, just plugging something in and having it work is usually not, not as simple as that. Someone's put a whole lot of, you know, time and effort into making that happen. Um, and, you know, setting up everything beneath the surface so that, you know, it recognizes the device, it knows how to communicate with it. It, you know, uh, kind of abstracts your communication protocols a bit so that, you know, you, you actually can just say, Hey, uh, I think that was just a little bit late. Can you, can you move it up a little bit? And, you know, it's just as easy as that. It's, you know, you got a slider or just a type in on, Nope, I want it here instead of there. Or, yep. That was late to put it there. Um, and really that, that is, I'd say the core of it is, you know, yeah, it's, it's not that easy if you're doing it, you know, from scratch. Um, but I'd say the entire kind of, goal of the business is to make you know the clients and the other people on set um that's what they experience is it does seem as easy as that um because you know you're when you're on set there as opposed to one you know like you're in a factory um you know you're not the star of the show you're you know you're a piece of the puzzle and you know if you're not contributing to the vision in a way that's not uh cumbersome you know, they may as well just not, right? <laughs> <laughs> so is is the name of the entire working mechanism, is that Argo? Is that what I was seeing? Uh, I'd say names and branding are something we struggle with. I'd say, yes, we, we call the system <laughs> Argo. Um, and, you know, then we, then we, you know, looked it up and saw, oh, other people name their stuff Argo too. And then I thought I was clever because I named a lot of the software, you know, things like Argo Soft. And it's like, oh. Argo, Argo Soft exists too. Um, well, you know, we won't make those, you know, official branding or anything. Um, and, you know, it's it's a work in progress. Sure. Um, but yes, but, yes, those are, but those are the, the working names for that's the sentimental name for yes. it right now. Yes. <laughs> now, what does it take to move from, you, you have this beautiful studio behind you, which I know you mm-hmm. do some incredible advertising and commercial work. And then I see the set and the video of the work on, on the invisible man, which the audience, please, you know, we will make sure that you have all of the links you need to connect with Daniel further and to see some of this work because the whole concept in, in visually seeing some of the execution there of that film really makes you want to appreciate the film, but appreciate all of the technical aspects that, that went into that. So can you just tell us a little bit about what the setup is like, you know, for our affectionately named Argo? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it really is, you know, just, your six-axis industrial robot arm, uh, we usually have it, you know, on a, on a track system, just one piece. Um, that's, that's on wheels, uh, and it's got, you know, screw-down legs. Uh, so on a typical day, because it really is all about, you know, speed, uh, if we're, you know, on location or in the studio, it's either, you know, just pull it out of the back or uh, pull it off the truck. Uh, so it's actually, you know, the sort of thing that's compact enough that a couple of guys can just move it around and put it on the lift gate, take it up and down, uh, and check in with, uh, whoever's in charge on, on set and say, Hey, you know, what are we up to? What are we doing? Um, you know, Argo you is here. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. Um, you know, make sure people, people usually notice, um, get it in set, 
uh, power up. Um, and really from there, it's, you know, kind of in the hands of the creative, the creative uh, folks, sure. they're, they're really driving it. We're really more, you know, following and reacting, um, depending, you know, on who they are, how they work. They might, you know, wave around their, uh, their phone to show me kind of what, what they want us to do. Uh, or, you know, if they're have really prepared, they might have, you know, a video to already show me of, Hey, I want you to basically do this. Um, and, you know, I'll get to work on that. Um, and, you know, I'll move around. I've got, um, you know, an, an Android tablet integrated in with, you know, just a Bluetooth controller. Uh, I'll move that around. Um, I'll usually hook them up with a set of pan and tilt wheels so they can also be controlling that. And we can say, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where we want it to start. Um, you know, this is this is this kind of intermediate point we need to set. Uh, here's the end. And, you know, you wanted this to take about this amount of time and you didn't want it to stop there. You kind of wanted to drift a little bit uh, and we'll, you know, then start woodshedding it uh, where, you know, we'll say, hey, we've kind of designed this path. We want to tweak it a little bit. You know, are we losing um, losing the frame they want somewhere? You know, are we cutting off, you know, someone's head and we need to be tilted up or raised up a bit and just finding something that then everyone can agree on because especially in the tv commercial world you know where every pixel on screen is is much debated over um you know you've got a whole committee to do that with um and once once everyone's happy you know you start synchronizing all the devices you need to synchronize you do you grab you know focus set points throughout you set any device triggers uh, and then once all that's set um you shoot it and usually, you know, shooting it goes like that because it's all been programmed and, you know, everything hits the times exactly. And they say, yeah, that's what we all agreed we wanted. And then <laughs> you pack it up and that's it. It's um, one of those things where like it's like Thanksgiving dinner almost where there's all of this prep that goes into it in the execution because the prep was so diligent uh, that it just like the consumption's over. And now it's time to clean up and do the dishes. Yeah, that's that. That is exactly it. I think that's that's a that's a really great you know analogy for it. Is it's it's really about uh, front loading all the prep as much as you can, so that when you do it, uh, you just do it. And because you know you did it so well, it's just okay. Nope, we're gone. Um, and I'd say you know on in the film environment, which is a little bit different from you know the doing commercials and stuff uh like the visible man you know the prep will extend even further or instead of you know showing up on the day it's you know hey uh for that we did you know a couple weeks of rehearsals with the stunt team first uh so you know when you see some of those clips you'll see that hey you know a lot of those guys are very synchronized with the robot and it's you know if they're not moving and getting out of the way they're they're going to get hit um and you know that that being an industrial guy and no one should really be around the robot, you know, that initially was kind of, kind of a bit, you know, scary to me, but then, you know, I was sure, Hey, you know, these guys sign up for the risky jobs, you know, Hey, they they get a, a, a big paycheck because they're putting themselves in these situations and they're performers and they're supposed to be alert and they're supposed to be sharp. And they, you know, got people looking out for them and safety guys. And, you know, it's just a lot of, them synchronizing with the robot because you know not, none of us had ever done anything like it before sure. um, and then once we were set um you know we show up and they bring in you know uh the big people you know your 
directors, director of photography, et cetera, and they uh, refine us a bit. And then once everyone's happy, um, yeah, you just do it on the day, you crank through it and, you know, that happens and it's done. They've shot it. Um, you know, it's, it's in that way a lot different from, you know, your typical, uh, I'd say technical project in that, you know, it's not something that, you know, you, you do, and then you want it to work forever and it's chained to you. It's like right. you do it and it's been shot and we'll call you for the next one. <laughs> it is in I, working in the film industry. It's almost everything's like that. Like you'll make friends on set and then you may hope to see them again and, and you may never. And you know maybe there was that team that you did not jive as well with and they might be on the next project. It's one of those things where it's it's so intimate, like it's such focused work in such short time frames that, you know, you just like you do you that that team and kind of the what is it? The the kind of characteristics of team building have to really come refined in such a short period of time now. Did when you went to university, when you were studying, like, was this where you kind of felt like you were going to end up or was this a, a new venture, a new world for you? Not at all. Uh, frankly, I was dragged kicking and screaming into this, although now that I'm here, I'm uh, it's great and I'm having a great time. Uh, so, you know, I went to university. I, um, you know, studied electrical and computer engineering at uh, Oregon State. Um, you know, it was very good to me. And I uh, went into uh industrial automation i worked for a systems integrator in the pacific northwest for you know about five years after graduating um i absolutely loved that i had a great time uh, and i'd say a uh, couple years um before i left there uh they you know started a venture partnered uh with um someone who they believed you know was big hot shot in the film industry and part of their, you know, kind of buying that partnership uh, was to, you know, have me do a bit of work for them. Um, it, it didn't take me long to uh, not be okay with that situation. Uh, so, you know, it was, um, became pretty abundantly clear that, you know, Hey, these people were kind of crappy people. You know, they were lying about features to clients. They were, you know, seriously exaggerating things. They were overselling things. They, uh, you know, were the sort of managers who want to stand right over your shoulder all the time. And, you know, what are you doing there? Oh, should you be doing that? And just, you know, huge amounts of turnover, um, and just, you know, kind of an altogether, not awesome workplace. Um, and their, you know, clients kind of put that together too. And, you know, started going to me and say, hey, you know that these guys aren't properly directing, you know, how this is coming together, right? You know, it looks like you got a good engineering group here, but, you know, you got to, you got to change All something. All players have got to be on the same page. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, being the diligent young engineer, you know, I went to my management like, hey, this is, this is what I'm being told. And, you know something's got to happen here. It seems like, and you know, you, you can't seem to hold on to anyone else for more than six months. So like, Hey, um, and they were like, well, it is the way it is. It was like, okay, I just need to get away from this project. And you know, when the clients started to see that too, they started to say, Hey, what if we just like paid you and you did it for us? And I was like, you know, no, no, I'm not doing that. I just want to go back to my other job. <laughs> um, and you know, that, that went on for a bit and you know, I, wasn't able to detach from the project, you know, it was like, cause 
I had been there from the start and they really couldn't hold on to anyone long enough to get, you know, uh, any technical insight, you know, it was just kind of a toxic entity that I was chained to. And, you know, he kept setting dates of, okay, I'm done with it after this day, or I'm done with it after this is done. This feature set is done. And it's just like, oh, well, we really need this. And, oh, we really don't have any options. Um, and, you know, I eventually, you know, I was like, okay, I got to quit. And I was actually going to go back to school and do, you know, a PhD program. Um, and, you know, took a, a year uh, notice before I left there. So maybe, maybe in retrospect, a little bit too much time, uh, you know, <laughs> with one foot out the door. Um, and, you know, in between the time when, you know, my last day there was, and I was, you know, planning to go back to school, I figured, hey, you know, there's a customer that uh, the bridge is thoroughly burned on, you know, lawyers were involved. They're on the opposite side of the planet. And they just, you know, they're offering me a bunch of extra money just to, just to operate the system that they had got, you know, for, for a few days, maybe every few months. And it's like, hey, you know, I know it. I don't feel bad that I'm, you know, competing with anything. Um, go out there. And so, you know, that's what put me in Australia initially. And, you know, I was out there Amazing. doing that a few days here or there. Uh, then I didn't, you know, end up in any PhD programs because of a, you know, uh, difference of opinion with, you know, admissions departments uh sure. and uh but you're innovating so it, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. That's i know right it's like, like you know what it turned out it. yeah oh yeah well and then i figured you know hey that's not happening but i'm having a really great time out here you know i'm the happiest and healthiest i've been let me hang out for a little bit longer and you know they sat down with me one day and like hey you know i know that you're really trying not to cross any lines as far as um you know, doing any development work because you're trying to be done with it. But, you know, hey, we got, you know, these projects, we've got these films that are really interested. And, you know, we think that if you um, set it up, you know, from scratch, it could be really good. You know, why, so why are you still, you know, loyal to these guys back there? You know, what did they do to earn your loyalty? And, uh, you know, then uh, they said, hey, you know, you're also really happy here. You know, you can be have complete technical control of everything um and you know then they made very convincing you know equity and compensation <laughs> offers and that was that <laughs> that was that that's amazing like and to just think about you know that journey and then how all of this comes together because for all intents and purposes, you you have this giant mechanical arm that you've programmed with all of these other technologies that have to communicate, that have to synchronize. So I'm going to challenge you. If you had to do the invisible man without the internet of things, how would that have gone? Um, I mean, I don't think it, it, it would have. I mean, it's it's like really the how how quickly you can get things to go together when everything is you know really set to communicate it's like you know all of all of those devices you know that i told you about you know i've got you know my tablet that i control with i've got my laptop that i draw the interpolation on i've got you know the robot that's running the motion we've got the focus uh that's making sure you know everything really looks the way they want it to. You've got the other device synchronization. You've got the fact that that tied so well into, you know, giving people audio cues. And if, if all of those things um, 
hadn't have been, you know, the sort of thing uh, that, you know, Internet of Things lets just be accessible to, you know, really small teams where you don't have to do a lot of the super low level drivers and hardware design. You can just, you know, kind of snatch up. I need a bit of that. I need a bit of that. I need a bit of that. Uh, and put them all together. Um, you know, it just, it just couldn't happen without that. Cause you know, if you start saying, okay, you know, we need a guy for that. We need to practice that. And we need to rehearse that, you know, suddenly you've got, you know, a dozen people who all have to get everything exactly right in a multi-minute sequence and, you know, having that work out. I mean, it's like, yeah, people, people can do that, but when you're talking, you know, a pretty low budget film and it's like, you know, we've got like a couple days for this, um, you know, just, it just couldn't happen. And it just couldn't happen at the level that it's like, you know, they wouldn't even try. Um, and frankly, even, you know, when I first got out here, I'd say they were in the pre internet of things world. Cause you know, uh, I'd say film industry, as much as, you know, there are some pioneers pushing tech in, you know, it's, it's fundamentally comprised of, you know, non-technical people. And, sure. um, you know, well, I love when all... you explained like they'll just show me like this or because there 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 is like there's layman's terms and there's this communication barrier and you know sometimes it must feel like you know two individuals from completely different nationalities speaking a different language and you have to really connect with someone to kind of get that. But when you're working on a set and I do it all of the time, cause there's so many disciplines, there's the audio, there's the video, there's the acting, you know, then you've got marketing and the accounting and you have, and when you're running kind of that, you know, from the executive producer side, the business side of things, you know, I would love to just be the creative that, you know, sits on set and, and can see some of these things. But a lot of times, you know, I walk in on them, you know, and it's like, well, I like that, but what if it could do, you know, this and that, and just, and, you know, somebody will look at me and be like, yes, you mean X, Y, Z. Uh, so it's great that you, you kind of been able to adapt. And I think for a lot of us kind of techies, those of us that can really master some of the finer communication I think that helps reduce as well because we're so A, B, C that like when we have that ability to kind of think on our feet and, and pivot and have that creator's mind, then sometimes we can relate a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that kind of takes me into where it's not just, you know, our industry, but, you know, I still do little bits and pieces on the outside is sure. just, you know, most of the world is those non-technical people. Um, but you know, with what technology has to offer, it's like, it can really just take a whole lot of processes, you know, to the next level. Um, and because I think, you know, a lot of technical people don't quite, uh, gel with how, you know, people think, cause you know, like you said, there's other disciplines, you know, there's, you know, audio disciplines, not just audio, you know, there's education, there's medicine, there's, you know, a huge number of disciplines that people put just as much effort into as tech people put in into being technical. And while they might not have that same, you know, low level hardware software way of thinking, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, they don't know what they want and understand why they need it and know what, what they want is from what they don't want. Um, and I think that that's a trap that a lot of engineers get into is, you know, they, they go to ABC and, you know, it's like, hey, you have ABC. That's your way to get from A to C. You have to go through B. Um, this, this is your process. 
And just because there is a way to get to the sea, they say, you know, hey, it's done. That That's how you do it. Um, and so they neglect a lot of, you know, the, um, you know, kind of the intuitive way that people think about it or might set traps or, you know, just ways that when you're the practical person on the ground who has to use this thing, um, you don't think of. Um, and, you know, you may even have, you know, your super corner cases where it's like, you know, you're your diligent engineer, um, you set your thing up, you test it, you know, 10, 20 times, you're super diligent. So you get a couple friends over to test it 10, 20 times. And it's like, oh, no failures. Awesome. We're good. You know, chip it, give it to someone. Um, and then you have people who are using it, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400 times every day. And, uh, you know, maybe less than 1% of those times they have something screw up and it takes them 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get it back together. And it's like, you know, hey, you might have felt really good about having, you know, better than 99% success rate. And they're doing something that you really didn't quite understand. But it's like that can create a pretty miserable and stressful experience for them. And it's, I feel like really, you know, kind of the the big state next stage I see of, you know, technology is uh, people kind of breaking into these fields uh, as technical people. Uh, and really kind of getting into the shoes of the real practitioners um, and and refining the products to really work on, you know, uh, the specialist lingo and how they think and how they work. And, you know, hey, maybe I might say uh, in a very uh, pedantic way, you know, hey, you didn't quite describe it unambiguously, um, mm. but, you know, they're like <laughs> what they want is 95% of the time one thing. And if it's not what they wanted, they'll recognize that immediately when they see it to the other thing and they'll be able to correct it and just, you know, setting it up to, to streamline. And I, I just feel like, you know, you have so much great technology out there, um, you know, and form just, just, you know, your computer, your phone, um, you know, industrial robotic hardware, um, you know, the internet, everything. And, most people in the world are just barely scratching the surface of, of using that. Um, and they just, you know, really need proper technical, you know, assistance and people to understand their plight to, to, to kind of get them into utilizing those tools. Well, it's like any discipline when, when the communication and the lingo is one thing, and then you're trying to explain it. And I think for me, what has been kind of fascinating is over my career, if you looked at the industries that, you know, I played in, they're all different. You know, the common denominator was, was me in this, you know, little fine piece of expertise that I could plug and play into different places. And so over you know, 20 years, I have been able to adopt. And it's like, you can, if you're familiar with Spanish and there's 10 words in a sentence and you can recognize six of them, you can more or less put together the sentence. And for myself, I feel like I've been able to kind of do that with a number of different languages of, okay, you know, I get, you know, maybe if I heard this, I get this access robot, you know, and I can kind of compare that. Oh, if I worked in the auto industry, I've seen a lot of these things. Uh, and so it's just amazing how universal, but how different 
terminology and communication can be. And Daniel, I, I know I was, uh, we were talking before and I had asked you if, uh, if you had a book that we could promote because, but you've got to write it, man. You have got to yeah, write that yeah. book uh, because I know I would be excited to read it. We have, you know, a whole audience and group of guests now, like you just have this amazing wealth of knowledge and just incredible production that, you know, I know I'm going to, I sent Daniel a connection on LinkedIn already. And I know our guests are going to want to connect with you further. What is the best way for us to connect more, Dan? Uh, yeah, that's honestly a way that I, I kind of struggle. Um, but yeah, so I'd say on LinkedIn, that's, that's an awesome, awesome place to get in touch with me. I'd say that's, you know, the best kind of front end if you want to get uh, messages that I, to me, that I, I will see and I will read. Um, otherwise, you know, you can uh, go to our website if you want to check out a bit about us, you know, d1studios.com. Uh, I think there's a dot .au in there too. Um, and Otherwise, you know, I'd say that's really, you know, a weakness I have right now. Uh, and if you're someone who, you know, knows knows a bit about uh, helping helping get get traction on social media, um, <laughs> you know, I I could use some pointers because I'm I'm real real bad at taking pictures and things like that. <laughs> Not to worry, Daniel. Uh, we have an amazing audience and group of guests here that are proficient, especially in LinkedIn networking. So we'll start networking. Everybody go connect with Dan. Dan, we are so grateful for you joining us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, what a pleasure. And to all of you tuning in, we're so grateful for another year of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch, with, brought to you by our friends at Critical. And we will see you on the next episode real soon. Hey, this is Critical CEO Ryan Cousins again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Idols podcast. If you're an accomplished engineer, inventor, product manager, or technology entrepreneur, and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to critical.com slash podcast slash apply. That's K-R-T-K-L dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or share it on social media and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone you'd like to have us interview, let them know about the show or tag them on social media using the hashtag IoT Idols. We're always looking for great guests eager to share their stories with our audience. We're regularly posting new episodes, so make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media, and join our mailing list at critical.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be excellent. Be excellent.